armchair. There's something, I'll say there's something kind of yeah about a kid that's never played baseball. <laughs> we have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, and flat out deceived. Why did you get so drunk? You got drunk. <laughs> I'm just really exhausted. What's in that cup? Rum and Cokes? Do you have any idea how important you this is? Do you have any idea? Really, this is what you're doing? Jason, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Armchair. YouTube Live. Radio Station. The radio station you can call your own. You're listening to Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. We're here live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, and simulcasting on YouTube.com forward slash at Braves Country. Your first choice for Southern sports. Good afternoon. I'm Mac McGeehan. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Watch this hatchet-wielding hitchhiker thing on Netflix. Y'all seen this? It's a wild story. We'll get into it. Armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. Hey, howdy, hi, and how the hell are you? Welcome to Braves Country HD, Braves Country on the key, 99.1 FM and HD, wherever you may stream. Let's go ahead and get into it. A couple of things want to jump right off the bat is, by the way, the chicken update. If y'all haven't paid attention to this thing, we got a chicken that is behind our house. And what only thing I can think is some kind of chicken sweatshop at this point. There's neighbors and they've built this huge fence. They work during the day, right? And then at night, everybody's gone. And a few days ago, I think I briefly mentioned it on air, had so much else going on recently that I haven't got into it much. But essentially what happened was this chicken flew into our yard over our fence. And startled the heck out of me, I don't know, two, three days ago, when my dog catches it behind the bushes. I did not know the chicken was in the yard. My dog chases it, corners it. This was moments before the show, I believe on Monday, if memory serves me correct. And I have to just get the dogs in, keep keep them from killing the chicken, and get them in the house so that I can go ahead and jump here in the studio and start the show. This is on my mind, et cetera, et cetera. Get off the show, go back there. The chicken's still there. The dog and I, the older dog and I, uh, chased the, t- the chicken out of the yard, opened up the gate, got it out of the yard. I didn't know what else to do. I tried to call several different entities that day. And yes, it, that's right. It was Monday because it was a national holiday. And everyone was closed except for the for the the local exterminator types. And I wasn't gonna pay four or five hundred dollars for someone else's chicken jumping in my yard. 
So me and the dog chased the chicken out of the yard. Didn't take it do any harm to the chicken. Made sure of that. Just chased it with me, the dog, and a, and a baseball bat to shoo it. Okay, everything's good. Yesterday, shortly after we get off the show, and of course, uh, we uh, had had a great show yesterday. And Eddie, I, I saw Eddie the jockey, a picture of him on Twitter for the first time. So his his a picture actually came up. A, a, a recent picture was getting his haircut today. So anyways, we had him on the show yesterday. I get done. I'd kind of forgotten about the chicken incident. I'd said that, Hey, I wasn't sure. I told my wife when she got home, say, I'm not hundred percent sure that the chicken's gone, gone, but I know it's not in the yard, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing stopped me from flying back in. I get done. I've got, I got my, uh, drapes open here in in the office in my studio where we do the show and i look over to my right and this chicken is bebopping i mean right past the window and i was like son of a are you kidding me with this right so i'm about to lose my cool but i i I finished all all the editing because i I do all the uh i'm the engineer producer and host of the show so i have to get everything done Go out there, and this time I opened up the gate, made sure because because the first I had to chase this chicken two or three times across the backyard, and I mean it is it was a chore. I mean it's a pretty it's a decent sized yard, but you're you're here in the uh, in the swampland in the back backyard. I mean it's wet, so your foot's getting stuck in the mud, all that kind of stuff. So this time I got the door wide open. We go, me and the same dog. She doesn't really want to go, but she's following me, and I'm telling her basically. I'm going to chase the chicken out the yard. I just need you to, when we think the chicken is gone, to help me look for it because it's actually pretty good at uh, camouflaging themselves, right? Kind of left that part of the story, but a couple of times, the first couple of times I tried to chase chase it out out of the backyard, it would get down in the brush and it would have a hard time seeing it and I'm trying to chase it off and it thinks I can't see it. I can see it, but I'm also trying not to hurt it because it's not the chicken's fault that this owner is just delinquent. So anyways, get done with this, chase them out of the yard, lock the gate, looked up and down, made sure this time there was no way this chicken was in, which I don't think the chicken was in there anyways uh, on Monday, but on Tuesday made sure it was gone. Told my wife update. She's getting a big kick out of this laughing about me and the dog and a chicken and a, and a bat, right? <laughs> it looked like, you know, like, look like a broken down Elmer Fudd walking around the backyard. So anyways, go from there, come back in this morning. I'm on the treadmill and I get a text from my wife and she said, that chicken was back in the front yard. And I was like, are you kidding me with this? It was in the front yard. It was in the front yard. Are you kidding me with this? So anyways, we, we go ahead and we, we called the local authorities. They're supposed to go over and check this out. So that's the whole chicken story, the chicken update. But this hitchhiker story, it's called the hatchet wielding hitchhiker. For those who have not uh, caught this, this show on Netflix, it, it's a, it's a documentary. It's a movie. So evidently this guy became famous. I I'm not aware of it. I, I think it was a local California thing and he got quite a bit of fame in California. I guess it was all over the, their news cycle. 
I don't recall this, but, if, but several years back, this guy evidently jumps on a, I don't know if the guy was homeless, what the guy's deal was, but jumps a guy that's in his car and the guy runs down a pedestrian and the guy that, that he ends up hitting, it sounds like he's, I mean, he's a real character and a bad guy across the board. And without getting into all those details, essentially everyone puts this hatchet kid, uh, his, his name, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. I want to say it's like Noah, but I think, I think it's different, but we'll just call him Noah. This Noah kid who evidently was homeless. He was just kind of a flake. He was, you know, going, going across the country and randomly had a hatchet. No one, no one stopped to think about that part in his bag and attacked the guy to keep him from further injuring the pedestrian. So everyone looked at him as, as this big hero. And I, I want to say the guy he hit also might have said some racist things and whatnot, and that added to the story. I was watching this while, while I was editing this morning at the same time, but it is a really wild story. Fast forward to the end of this, and this hatchet guy strikes again. This time he kills a guy in his house. He's now doing, I, I want to say they said nine years in a mental institution. And what was funny is at the end, all of the different people involved in the, in the story acting as if they were just shocked that this guy could do anything when the entire story after his first initial, you know, uh, heroic effort, people are now starting to realize that he may have put given the, the, the original victim, uh, drugs and influenced his behavior and then took a hatchet to him. Right. Really wild story. It's one of the most popular movies on Netflix. I can't uh I, I, I can't do it justice, but that's the gist of it. And if you get a chance to watch it, it's called The Hatchet Wielding Hitchhiker. I'm flipping through today and I just see it appear across. I wasn't even playing anything. I look over and go, what in the hell am I looking at? So I, I you know, you hit play, and the next thing you know, you, you're you're down that wormhole. But, anyways, today we're gonna be getting into a lot of uh of, of the lines again today. Um, Eddie, the jockey that we had on yesterday, he, uh, his two of the, his three bets that he mentioned yet yesterday did hit. And we've got his pick for later on today. If you, um, if you listen to the, uh, the sports flash at the top of the hour, I do apologize. I got sidetracked. I hit the wrong sports flash. That was yesterday's sports flash. If you tuned in the beginning, you're like, what are all these scores? This is from yesterday. It was from yesterday. It was uh, my mistake. I thought I had deleted it out of the system, and I fat-fingered it, and I looked down. At one point, I heard a game that I knew was played last night. I was like, what in the world? But anyways, early lines, college basketball, going to get into that. Steven is on the way. Steven, we're going to be talking some fantasy football. We're talking some fantasy baseball, and we're going to be talking about the, you know, the money that you can make this year on it. And then of course, Doug will be here and we're talking the NFL playoffs. We're, we're, we're going to get his pick for the week and a lot of things moving and shaking in the NFL. Where are the quarterbacks going to land? Where are the coaches going to land? Titans get their new general manager hired since the last time we talked and the, the giants, I still can't believe this. This has not gone down. 
it's almost like Vegas wants you to put the money on the Giants and they're enticing you and they believe the Eagles are going to blow the Giants out of the water. It is still a seven and a half point spread. And I really feel like that game is going to come down to one score either side. It's a divisional game. I feel like the over is a little high. It's a divisional game. They just played it a couple of weeks ago. And the Giants gave them one hell of a game with their backups in. And I get it that Jalen Hurts was coming off an injury. But here's something else with that Jalen Hurts situation. He's That's the only game he's played in a month. So he's played one game in a month, and you're supposed to ride in and think that he's going to play well enough against a good Giants defense. And a Philly team, by the way, who has struggled to stop the run all year long. So I feel like there's going to be some design plays to get Daniel Jones going. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is going to be a heavy part of the game plan. And right now it's seven and a half, and the over-under is 48. And one of the things we're going to look into with, with, with the baseball picks and the and the you know when you get in these fantasy baseball you, you're we're also talking about the futures bets if you're looking for future bets in major league baseball for this season what are the rule changes that are coming down the pipe they're going to have a significant a significant bearing on this year's major league baseball not just the fantasy season with the offense, but the but the entire season in a whole. How are the how are the top teams going to be affected by just a couple of these? And we'll get more into depth here in a second when when Steven jumps on. But the we remember there's now a pitch clock. It's going from from no pitch clock to 15 seconds every single pitch, unless there's a, a runner on base, and then it's 20 seconds. And what kind of game are they going to play with that? Because the rules are kind of loose and fluid on, A, making sure that the pitcher's ready to go, right? And then the other thing, when he's got a runner on base, how many throws over to first are we going to see this year? Because they're going to want to restart the pitch clock. If they're not ready and they just don't feel ready, you just toss it over to first. How many balks are we going to get because of that? Because at the last second, a player is a pitcher is going to just panic and, and flip it over there, may have not have come to a full stop. And of course, the penalty for not making the pitch in time is going to be an automatic ball. So you know there's going to be some ejections. There's going to, there's all kinds of the major league baseball season at the beginning is going to be absolute chaos. Outside of that, you've got the defensive shift that's coming. And for folks that aren't familiar with what that means, two infielders are going to have to be on both sides of the base, of, of a second base, excuse me. So you've got to have, and there, there's a caveat to that. The infielders may not switch sides unless there has been a substitution. So in other words, you can't put... I didn't even think about this. Someone had some forward thinking about this. But you cannot put, for instance, your shortstop and second baseman over to one, over, over to the strong side of the hitter. We'll, we'll say it's a right-handed hitter. Put them both over to the left-hand side and then slide your third baseman over to second, over to the second baseman area. 
And then when a lefty comes up, flip-flop it. You can't do that. Third baseman is going to have to play third base. Your shortstop is going to have to play the shortstop position. And second and first and et cetera, et cetera. Now, I still think they're going to play some games with the outfielders, but you're you're going to open yourself up a little bit with that. But there has not been a de- designated rule about the outfielders, and I still don't know what is stopping a team. Let's say you're facing a left-handed hitter, right? And we'll take take someone with a really ta- with a really athletic center fielder, whether it's the Braves or uh, the uh, the Angels, and you know that. Michael Harris or Mike Trout can cover a lot of ground between center and left. What is stopping you from taking that left fielder and once again playing a shallow, I always called it shallow right, because basically he's, he's standing right in between the first and second baseman. Now the antagonist is going to say, well, all you got to do is poke it down the line and, and you're going to be standing on second, if not third. That's true, but it's easier said than done. Everyone thinks that hitting against the shift is just something you automatically can do if you're a major league hitter. The game is so much different than it was years ago. The pitches are different. The pitchers are different. And it's it's not as easy as one might think to take a hard cutter inside and drive it the other way with any kind of force. So it'll be interesting to see if they have any kind of caveat in the middle of the season to, hey, left, center, and right have to play in their positions. But I've not seen that addressed at all. Then, of course, the bases are getting a little bigger. We'll get more into that here in a second. When we come back, Steven's going to join us when we're talking some some, uh, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, and, of course, the money lines and more. We'll be back in a flash here on Braves Country HD. Mac McGee and Steven Trosh on the way. Keep it locked in here on the key and Braves Country HD wherever you may stream. Y'all, I can't do it anymore. I always said that I would shoot y'all straight, and that's what I'm doing here. You know, I always said that if this became not fun, I wouldn't do it anymore. And, and it's not fun. It's become more of a chore. It's a job. I've thought about it. I prayed over it. You know, sometimes in life you have to reevaluate things and figure out what's most important between, you know, family and work and just everything in life. This ain't it. So as of tonight, I am no longer participating in fantasy football. I don't have time for it. And uh, maybe next year. Armchair. Dixie Handle Company, five generations of the Strickland family have produced quality hardwood farming garden tools, wooden shutters, and custom furniture. This small business has been owned and operated since 1992 and ships to customers across the world. If you're looking for the highest quality tool handles, Dixie Handle Company is your place. Every item is handpicked to your specifications. If it's made of wood, they do it. Call now, 931-722-3395. That's 931-722-3395. Or go online to DixieHandle.com. The Dixie Handle Company, welcome to Craftsmanship, a proud sponsor of Braves Country Baseball. Here. 
Here's good news. There's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Hey, folks, this is Mark White with The Mark White Show, and you can tune in to The Mark White Show every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. right here on Rock 99 WQEE, The Key, the home of Southern sports and talk. Shen Young, a performance that truly matters to every one of us, is coming to the Columbus River Center for the Performing Arts January 17th, one night only. Shen Young brings 5,000 years of civilization live on stage through choreographed dance, music combining Western and Chinese instruments in an animated backdrop. Come and see it at least once in your lifetime. Tickets at shenyoung.com slash GA. You shut up! You make me change restaurants, but nobody comes! But where are people? You see people? Show me people! There are no people! You bad man! You very, very bad man! Bad man? Could my mother have been wrong? Welcome back. Stephen Trosh joining us. You'll notice on the screen, I'm going to take it off in a second, but they, are, they will stay in the comments. Um, you can get hooked up with a sign-up bonus, and all you got to do is just copy and paste that link there, and they will... They will uh, match you on a bonus up to $250. The reason why I bring that up is Eddie the Jockey yesterday that joined us, he hit again. So you might want to get on this, and I can tell you that his pick is in, and it was, let me double check because I took the bet. I've been taking this all, it's like a week and a half or two weeks, Stephen. Um, and he has just been on fire. He hasn't hit them all, but he's hit most of them. Uh, where is it at? It was, I believe, North Alabama is is what he's hitting at. Let me see. Yes, North Alabama getting one and a half at Central Arkansas. The most random game that you can think of, Stephen, and he's been doing this day after day after day. In fact, today they were talking about his appearance on our show on, on a CBS sports network on the boomer and geo show. They, they mentioned our show. They just got the name wrong, but it's not their fault. Eddie is not technologically all there. And he referenced our show's name wrong. He uh, called it Braves country. And they looked up a podcast. He thought it was a podcast. And I did, I did forward the message and, and, and let them know. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but I was like, man, we, we almost got a little bit of free publicity on national TV and what happened. Nah, fell short. But anyways, welcome to the show, Mr. Steven. How are you? And I'm doing great. Fantastic weekend of football. And I, I, I like we got another great one coming up. Yeah, I, I'm a, I mean, honestly, this is the weekend that you really look forward to. Now, look, last weekend's always fun because I got the six games. And next Sunday is my favorite day of football in the NFL. But this is the best weekend because you get two teams or two tickets punch on each day. And they're usually pretty good matchups. You usually get at least two to three really good games. 
And I suspect that'll be the case. The, the one I have the question about this, this week is can Jacksonville hang? There seems like there's something in the air there with Trevor Lawrence and the boys. And I don't know if they're going to go in and, and shock the world and actually beat KC, but I'm just saying I have already taken, taken Jacksonville on the points. It's a little bit of a Homer pick, but when you're down 27 to nothing, I'm willing to ride with you the next week that you could make that kind of a comeback. And at least, oh, no. at least give us a backdoor cover, right? Oh, hundred percent. No, it's, I mean, like, like you, I think you're onto something there. It's just whenever the playoffs happens, there's always that one team that it almost feels like they're, there's like divine intervention, keeping them going. And Jacksonville feels like that team this year. I don't, I don't know if they'll beat Casey, but I fully expect that to be a uh, competitive game. Didn't they already beat Kansas city once this year? No, uh, Kansas city beat them. And the biggest thing I remember about that, I'm going to pull it up real quick, but the, but the biggest thing that I remember about that is that um, Jacksonville in that game, let me see, let me see if I could find the actual, it was pretty early in the season. Actually, no, I just got a number. It was in November and that it actually was, set the. Okay, yeah. Okay. 27 to 17. But the biggest thing that I remember about that game is that, Jacksonville fought with them, but they got down in a big hole. It was like 21 to seven, 20 to seven, something like that at the half. And then they, they, they played much better in the second half. They didn't, than they did the first half. Okay. And there were a couple of big plays that kind of sealed the deal. And, but it really felt more like Kansas city kind of held on as opposed to them throttling Jacksonville at the time, by the way, at the time I, I just got onto the screen, it made Kansas city seven and two Jacksonville was three and seven. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Like they went six and one after that game. So I mean, that was really that was a turning point. Of it. That was the absolute beginning of it. Cause I believe the only game that they stumbled with after that was the Detroit game, right? Yeah. So the next week was the Ravens at home, really good game. And then they got, Everyone's thinking to themselves, man, maybe they've turned something around. They got throttled in Detroit, which looked a lot better a few weeks later, but still 40 to 14. I remember that game. That was just an embarrassment. And so you didn't know what you were going to get. And then they come to Tennessee. Tennessee had some injuries. Jacksonville played really good. And you're like, okay, well, we'll see what happens here. They're still so far out of it. I still think the defining game of the entire season was that Cowboys comeback. Yeah. Because they were down 27 to 10, I believe, at the early fourth or late late third quarter. I believe it was early fourth. And to come back and win that game in overtime, that was the catapult. Yeah, I mean, it's – they just – something something feels like it's there, – there's something in the water in Jacksonville. Yeah, and this time it's not a body floating. <laughs> Uh, or a shoe down the river. Um, let's get into some uh, fantasy football talk, and, the, and then we'll pivot over to the baseball. Um, curious to see who you are going with on your weekly DFS this week. I mean, like this just feels like a no-brainer. The cheapest quarterback on the slate is Brock Purdy at four, uh, 5,400, and he has done nothing but dominate the past few games. I mean, I think last week he had – uh, 300 touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown to boot. 
I mean, he's just he's putting up stats after stat after stat, and I just I, I love what that San Francisco offense is doing. Uh, for like to I finished that stack, I paired him with McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk. McCaffrey just a no-brainer. Uh, highest floor, highest ceiling on the slate. I expect Trayvon Diggs to be a uh, to shadow Debo a little bit, so I went with Brandon Ayuk as well. I think he has a lot of upside, and people aren't going to be on him. He's only a five thousand, so it's a good money saver. Uh, and then on the other side of that game, I went CD Lamb. We saw DK Metcalf absolutely demolish that uh, San Francisco uh, secondary, and this is one of those games that they're just going to have to lean on CD and Dax to be throwing the ball 45, 50 times. And he's at 7,300. Rest of my lineup, I got uh, Miles Sanders at 5,700. Uh, T. Higgins at 5,800. Dallas Goder at 45. Zay Jones at 47 and Eagles defense at 3,200. I've done a couple of uh, fantasy drafts uh, this week. The, uh, the, on the underdog actual mm-hmm. draft draft as, as opposed to the salary cap. And I'm surprised how far Miles Sanders falls in these. I mean, he falls pretty far and I yeah, do no, believe that they're good. I mean, they're not going to be able to lean on, on uh, Jalen Hurts the entire game, I still don't think he's right, and he's definitely rusty. They're going to have to get something out of him. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking for pass production, the last time they they, they played uh, New York, it was in it was in New York. Sanders went 17 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, well, and, and the thing is, like, he, he he's been a, a great surprise. I know he slowed down a little bit down the stretch, but I also felt like that they were kind of they were kind of resting him too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, re- I really like the Sanders play. I'm a little surprised that Debo falls as far as he is. I think he's going to have a big game against Dallas. He's going to be heavily involved, or at least they're going to try to get him heavily involved, I would think. And I'm just a little surprised across the board that uh, it is where it is. But, you know, just the, the Purdy – so you're willing to kind of take a back seat on your quarterback so that you can get better. I mean, pricing wise, yeah, but it's not like Purdy's a, a scrub. I mean, he's no, he, no, he's just, not a scrub. But I'm saying that a guy like Josh Allen will probably have a better day. Much yes, better. but uh, yeah, I mean, if we're talking raw points for sure, Josh Allen is both more than likely going to scout score Brock Purdy. But the savings you get of it, like with the money, a lot. Like, like I'd rather have. Like an extra C Lamb type player, and get and actually get to Don McCaffrey, then um, have to punt at one of those. Like I'd rather punt a quarterback than receiver or running back. Fair enough. Um, getting into the baseball, and I kind of brought this up a second ago, but I want to kind of get a little more into it because for the baseball fans out there that haven't really paid attention. There is going to be a big shift in this year's season as far as the way the game is played across the board, right? And one of the things that wanted to touch on off the jump, Stephen, was how are the pitchers going to adjust to, to this? It's not just to a pitch clock that they've never dealt with before. Now, some of them coming up in the minors, have been doing it in the minors for a few years. But all in all, most of these veterans have not played with a pitch clock. 
I, I think it's going to be a huge learning curve at the be- at the very beginning. Oh, 100 percent. Because I mean, growing up when you're playing it, like you're pitching, you're on the mound, you're really controlling the pace of the game. So it's to be able like to have someone kind of like on you to really increase the pace of play and keep a certain pace. Yeah, I mean, it's, it gets to be a massive adjustment for them. All right, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the rankings now as uh, when you look at this and you and you pull these rankings up, and in no one's shock, Shohei Otani jumps to the forefront. Now, the difference between ESPN rankings and others is that ESPN in a lot of leagues allows you to have them in both have them both as a DH and a starting pitcher. There, there, there are options to make him a DH or a starting pitcher. And then I believe in Yahoo, it's, it's all either, either, or, and then the others, it's kind of up to their, they're still trying to adjust to the one random guy. So Shohei Otani, and this is based off of, if you look at these numbers here, if, if you're new to fantasy sports, I'm going to try to enlarge on that a little, just a little. Um, if, you're, if you're new to fantasy sports and you see these numbers over here to the side, you've got the position rank, and then you have also their, their dollar worth if you're, if you're in an uh, auction league. Give me a guy on that list that you think is incredibly overpriced. Incredibly overpriced? Yeah, like a guy that you're saying, I'm not I'm not paying that much for this guy. I mean, one guy right out the gate I'm seeing is Juan Soto. I mean, he's I mean, like we're ta- like, like I'm taking Shohei out of, out of this conversation just because of the split duties and how it's the like you said the differences and how the uh, different sites handle him, but uh, just one like, Soto did not look good like, like in the uh, second half of this, like the second part when he went over to San, uh, San Diego. I think they're they're not going to be playing him as much as they did when he was in uh, Washington. He's they like they don't really need to rely on his bat as much. Um, so I mean, like, I mean, talking to hitter like hitting wise, he is arguably a top three hitter in the league. He's got the patience you want, the power, hits for average. I just. I don't think the volume is going to be there to warrant him being the most expensive player on the board. Yeah, you know, you know, here's the thing with Soto: when they made that trade, everyone fell in love with the Padres and thought this was going to be the, be the, the the basically almost make them a super team, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't that. He wasn't that great. He re, he wasn't that great in the playoffs. I felt like that they were carried more down the stretch with with Manny Machado and. Where is Machado on this list? Okay, so he's all the way down here. So you can get a third baseman for 31. He's sitting number 14 overall. And for folks that aren't into the into the whole auction, if you look to the far left, that's how they're ranked across the board. But if you're looking at um, taking a guy in a draft and there's so much ability to get points out of the outfield, I think a guy like Manny Machado... I think a guy like Trey Turner who can play shortstop. I think these guys are being undervalued. And man, I, Trey Turner's going to have himself a year. 
No, yeah, no, it's going to be crazy out there. But I mean, it's, I mean, just talking at Outfield, you have Mookie Betts at $39. I would rather pay, take the $18 savings from Mookie every single day of the week. I mean, yeah. again, Outfield is one of the, is the deepest position in fantasy. So, yeah. I, and yeah. I mean, obviously, it always is. Like, that's just, that's, that's where you don't tend to put your bats because you're not, you're not trying to beat them up. And, I don't know if I love Kyle Tucker as high as he is. He's a solid player, but if you believe that he's going to take that next step this year, then fair enough. I'm just, I'm not there with him yet. Um, a guy that might be a little overvalued considering that they always put it, put an innings restriction on him is Corbin Burns, right? I yeah. mean, Corbin Burns in Milwaukee, any Milwaukee pitcher, they tend to put a, a that was the big argument when he won the Cy Young a couple of years ago. Did he pitch enough innings? So I get that he's dominant, but I'm a little I'm, I'm a little skeptical drafting him that high. Not saying he's not an elite pitcher, but that's high. Max Scherzer a little long in the tooth at this point. I was about to say the same thing about another uh, Mets pitcher, Justin Verlander at thirty seven dollars. I mean, I mean like, like it's they're getting the two of them to combined are getting close to being a hundred years old. I mean that's Verlander sitting there number fifteen ranked i'd rather like you know just right below him i'd, I'd go shane mcclanahan uh yeah i mean what is he doing that low um, unless you're in a league that, that overvalues wins right yeah i get that he doesn't get a lot of run support etc cetera, etc cetera, but man that dude's a beast and i mean like it's these are these rankings are specific to points leagues where you need to play every single day i mean if like if we're talking roto a lot of these rankings would be would be different and i would agree with that actually a lot of them were but the fact that this is a points league and you're putting two guys that are just basically about on, on the right side of, of the wrong side of 40 now top 15 i just they're not going to get the volume to reach it. Grom being that far down the list behind all those other pitchers yeah why why because he went to texas texas doesn't really play in a hitter's park anymore yeah, I was about to say, I mean, like, that, if anything, that's a boost. Not to mention, oh, by the way, he goes to an entire league, an entire division that hasn't really seen him much. So as dominant as he's been, and I mean, he's been dominant in the National League. I still say he, when healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. As dominant oh, far as none. he's been in the NL East against the Phillies and the Braves and going out there and, and you know, ha handling his own all across the National League. He's going to go to the American League and go up against a bunch of guys who are like, what in the heck am I looking at? Yeah. And you cannot replicate what he's about to do to you by looking at the film room. So the first half of the season, he's going to be – now, look, he might he might take a, take a reality check towards the second half of the season, which at that point you might be able to – you know, his first go around first month or so you might be able to get a heck of a haul on a trade with David Jacob DeGrom. You also may oh, yeah. not want to trade him at that point. Most be like, dude, I don't know, man. I think, I think I'm riding with him. I, I've just, I cannot believe that he, uh, is as low as he is here. I, I mean, got one. I got one for you. Okay. How do you feel about Austin Riley being the seventh, uh, third baseman on off the board? That's insane. It's an absolute joke to me. 
I don't even think I realized that, that, that he was that low. Where is he overall? Cause I can't, I can't navigate past it. Uh, da, 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 da. 61, 61. Okay. Sandwiched okay. in between, uh, Edwin Diaz, Adley Rushman, Kyle Schwarber and Tristan McKenzie. What is Schwarber doing down there? That, well, I know he had a low batting average, but he loved the, he loved the national league and home runs and he's staying in that popcorn stand. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think, I don't think Riley even had a great year to his, I mean, he, he, he had a solid year last year, but I think, but I think he's going to do a lot better this year. That's a little strange to me when you have trying to find the next third baseman that's, that's ranked above him on this list. Um, Aaron, uh, I get that. You said there's seven. Yeah. So it's, we count again. Oh, Bregman. Yeah. So but, oh, oh, I, like, I, I was counting Bobby Witten as well. He's at least third base eligible. Oh, he's definitely not below him. I'm not Whit, saying it's not going to be good. He's going to be good. So with Arenado, Devers, Bregman, Machado, J. Uh, Jose Ramirez. The only way I'm 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 putting with there is if this is a dynasty league, and I don't have a shortstop, right? Then I then I can see like let's say I go into the draft I don't have a shortstop I don't have a third baseman then yeah he could what becomes a little vi- valuable to me because I'm able to grab him and then the and then the next best available I can grab but all in all no thank you your on Alvarez seems extremely low to me oh I where's he where's he at he's 18th overall and I know that seems high. But I, but I can see three names already that that I would put him ahead of, and especially if we're talking dynasty. I mean, he's yeah. an absolute animal. That home run he hit in the uh, was that the deciding game of the World Series? I believe yes, it was because it was very much like the Jorge Soler one. That was an absolute moonshot. Yeah, he like he almost feels like a Juan Soto with more power. Are I mean, are, are they doubting Julio Rodriguez's ability? What did, what's going on here? He's he's almost number forty. Oh, that's a just that's a travesty. I mean, go, like coming out like off last season, there was it was basically consensus he was a top five pick. You're gonna try to tell me that he's only ten spots in front of Emmanuel Kleiss? Uh, you tell me he's three spots above Robbie Gray, <laughs> especially after the year he just had. Man, You're, this is what is Will Smith, the catcher, doing above guys like Framber Valdez, Logan Webb, uh, Riley, for that matter. I don't even know if I would take him over Adley Rushman just because the upside with Rushman. Yeah, I mean, like, especially at such a limited position. No, I mean, for me, it's... I mean, first of all, how are you not taking JT Romuto as the uh, the first catcher off the board? He's been the best catcher in, fa- like, fantasy baseball for basically as long as he's been in the league. And I think what he... Like, all, all he did last year was go out and get 20 more steals while how batting... Josh Bell... 
above guys like Carlos Correa, Michael Harris, depending on where Pablo Lopez ends up, because there's so many rumors flying that he's on his way to a contender. Actually, I saw a trade scenario, but like with him, but go on. No, I'm just saying, like Josh Bell. Yeah, that's. He could barely get in the lineup when he was traded out to San Diego. He's a solid player. I don't. I, I don't even hate the signing by the by Cleveland, but Josh Bell. What year do they think this is? I remember there was a time where everyone thought he was going to be elite, and he just never, never came about. Yeah, like he he just would always show either his power or his contact skills. He, like he never could marry the two for an extended period of time. I mean, I guarantee you Dansby Swanson ends up with a better year than he does playing in Chicago. Yeah. That's man. That is, that, that is insane that Josh Bell would be that high. I wouldn't have thought Josh Bell would be in the top hundred. I'd rather take a chance and see if O'Neill Cruz might, might be able to take the next step. Oh yeah. No, I mean that, I don't know if it'll be this year, but whenever that kid takes off, it is going to be scary. Chris sale going to bounce back. I'm not putting any kind of, I, I'm staying away from it. If he does, I'm happy for him, but too many times, man, I am done. I am done with Chris sale, man. I can't do it. He's, he's, he's made a jello. The first, the first bad outing he's has, they're going to say, Oh, he's favoring his elbow. Next thing you know, you aren't going to see him for eight weeks. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Any other last thoughts on, on, on this, uh, on this list? I was trying to get his full stats pulled up, but I saw, um, Merrill Kelly sitting down there around the 140 mark and interesting. Player. He was really good down the stretch. I mean, I was just on the stretch. I mean, he was just, he was solid all year. He had a 365 FIP. He ended up with. Well, I specifically went up against him in the playoffs and he freaking killed me. <laughs> so I remember him going, dude, I had him last year. Gwen looked at his stats and go, oh my God, I'm in for, I'm in for some troubles. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I get three, 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 seven ERA, only a 1.1 whip. It's not like he's not going to blow you away. He's striking out less than a batter in inning, but he's just an innings eater and he will, yeah, he pitched 200 innings last year and rarely did you get a bad start out of him. That's been two years now. We've had that kind of production out of Kelly. I'm jumping in again. At, what is that? The fifth, 14th round, 15th round. Interesting news. Walker Howard from LSU transferred to Ole Miss and Howard was the number five quarterback in the, in the uh, I think it was the 2020 or 2021 high school class. And he's heading to Lane Keffenville. Hmm. That's interesting because, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 2022. So he's hmm. just a babe in the woods. That's interesting. I, I would say it's got something to do with Jaden Daniels coming back. I can see it. When they first started this transfer portal, I thought there would be some kind of regulation on preventing a guy from transferring in conference. Right? Yeah, but I mean, it's... It's the wild, wild west. Like, there is absolutely no one... No one is paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, the only people that are really paying attention are the guys that are just 
follow following these teams is that that is their hobby. The only people paying attention are is the IRS. Because every time they see a guy sign NIL, they go, uh huh, we're going to check on that guy in three or four years. We'll see what he's up to. That's it. That's the only people really paying attention. The, the, the NCAA is asleep at the wheel. Yeah, I, I think they're just kind of just winging it at this point. What is your walk off for the day, Stephen? Oh, let's give you a little bit of a basketball betting today. Uh, Hornets right now are plugged. Actually, no, I'm not, not going to go with the, the spread. I'm going to go with the over under 236 and a half. That is, let's see, the fifth highest, fourth highest on the slate tonight. Uh, they're playing Houston in Houston. I just, that game's going to explode with points. Smash the over on it. So, you, so you're taking the over two, th- 236 and a half? Correct. Hornets Houston 236 and a half. I will put it in the chat here at the break. Uh, any last thoughts before you jam out? No. Good luck, everyone. This is be a, can't wait to see you on Saturday for the uh, pregame show. All right, brother, we will see you then. Uh, We'll be back in a flash when we come back. We're going to jump on a couple of more lines, and Doug's on the way. We'll be back here on Braves Country Radio, Braves Country HD, wherever you may stream. Are you an adult? Yeah. And you went out last night? Yeah. Introducing a hangover. What's that? Surprise, idiot. You went out and actually had fun last night, but your body is here to remind you that's not allowed. With a hangover, you can have a light breakfast to soothe your tummy. See if drinking more will help. And finally, start your day at 6 p.m. I went out last night for casual drinks with a friend, and now I can't even form a coherent thought. Try it today. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's taco and burrito cravings pack. Get it for the friends that get it. Dixie Handle Company, five generations of the Strickland family, have produced quality hardwood farming garden tools, wooden shutters, and custom furniture. This small business has been owned and operated since 1992 and ships to customers across the world. If you're looking for the highest quality tool handles, Dixie Handle Company is your place. Every item is handpicked to your specifications. If it's made of wood, they do it. Call now, 931-722-3395. That's 931-722-3395. Or go online to DixieHandle.com. The Dixie Handle Company, welcome to Craftsmanship, a proud sponsor of Braves Country Baseball. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGinn, the armchair quarterbacks, Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Drive time on WQEE.
You're right. Without realizing it, I've allowed that woman to alter my personality. You didn't have a personality. You just had some shows you liked. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGee the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Drive time on WQEE. Welcome back. Quick update on the Australian Open. They are in the first set, and McDonald leads Nadal three games to one. But once again, it's first set, so there's a long way to go on that one. Uh, Nadal ranked number one in the world. And I'll tell you what, the, I, I enjoy the tennis majors, but I, don't, I, I can't call myself a tennis aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. But I remember growing up as a kid when tennis, when they hit like their really early 30s, they were, they, were assist, they were essentially over. Some of them would push through and play longer and try to get an extra grand slam here and there, but they were pretty much done. And now, man, man Nadal has got to be pushing up, up on the backside of 30. He's ranked number one in this tournament. And I thought I'd heard last year that, that he was pretty close to hanging it up, but I saw that uh, Djokovic came back. Of course, if you remember, he, he didn't play last year because of the whole the whole thing that was going on with, with, the, with the COVID vaccinations, and he refused to get it, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, man. Big news for Maryland football today. The younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback for Maryland, he is coming back for the 2023 season. Not exactly what I would call shocking news, but it's big news for Maryland because they were able to bring him back one more year. And if you haven't seen him play, he's a pretty good quarterback. And I can definitely see why he would not want to come back or not want to try to leave this year and try to go back next year. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his name. I've watched him play a handful of times. I, th- I think it's Talio uh, Tago Viola. But 2023, 3,008 yards passing and 18 touchdowns in, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in uh, 2022. And he's coming back for the 23 season. Um, Other things going on in the world of sports get you caught up on the transfer portal because a lot of moving and shaking going on in college football today as, well, the past few days. haven't really talked on it that much. Arizona State wide receiver Cameron Johnson has committed to Northwestern. Ohio State gets an offensive tackle out of Louisiana Monroe, Victor Cutler. Penn State wide receiver Jay Dotton has entered the transfer portal. And Georgia wide receiver Ad Mitchell says he plans to enter the transfer portal. No word yet where he is heading. There was also the news yesterday that, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, 
Yeah, here it is. Uh, Lad McConkey. No big shock, but he he's coming back for another year. He 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 was expected to be drafted in the very late rounds if drafted at all. But uh, big news for Georgia fans in baseball. A couple of I I think very good pieces were signed in the last twenty four hours. Brian Anderson, who played for the the Marlins for years. It was a thorn. I know he's he's been a thorn in Atlanta side. I'm glad to see him leave the division. He is heading to the Milwaukee Brewers. I believe that was a one-year deal. And Adam Duvall, the old Atlanta Brave Adam Duvall, he signs a one-year $7 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. And then there's an extra $3 million in center. So that could be up to $10 million. That's according to Fine Sand. So uh, that's uh, it's pretty hefty. I know there are Braves fans out there that wonder why Anthopolis didn't re-sign it. Well, this is why. I mean, he he can't afford. When you look at the Braves' structure and the where where they are in the money at this point, it's just it's not worth it to him to put that much stock into a guy that is essentially going to be a role player, a platoon player. I know everyone wants to see the Braves trade away Ozuna, but that's not happening because nobody wants him and you're and you're on the hook for his salary. And let's be honest, Duvall, though we all love him and he had a heck of a career here. He's coming off an injury. He's older and he didn't perform that well last year before the injury. Now, if they could get rid of Ozuna's contract, I would love to see, I I would have loved to see Adam Duvall in Atlanta platooning essentially with Rosario in left field and doing some DH and other things, right? And then, of course, you know, what I loved about Duvall is that he could play center field. He he could give Harris days off, but didn't happen. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. We're at the top of the hour. So let's hit the real sports flash and we'll be back here in just a second. We're going to get into some some NFL lines, some picks that are trending in the right direction. Braves Country here on WQEE will be back in 1 second. You're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key in Noonan, Georgia. Armchair. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good afternoon, and this is your Armchair Quarterback's Sports Flash. College basketball gets started in the ACC tonight. Number 10, Virginia, hosting Virginia Tech. Cavaliers, five and a half point favorite over under 127. Louisville. Struggling on the season, nine-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. They host Pittsburgh. The over-under is 141-and-a-half. In the Southeastern Conference, got a busy night of hoops. Number 16, Auburn at LSU. Tigers versus Tigers. War Eagle is giving up four-and-a-half. And a a couple of teams sitting on the bubble of the NCAA tournament, the 10-and-7 Florida Gators, we're getting three and a half on the road at Texas A&M. Aggies are 12 and five over under 137 and a half. And at nine o'clock Eastern on SEC Network, number 25 Arkansas at Missouri. 
Woo Pig Suey getting two on the road against the 13 and four Tigers. 153 and a half is the over under. Other games of interest in top 25 action. The early game, UConn and Seton Hall. Huskies giving up five on the road. 135 and a half is the over under. Number 14, TCU getting two and a half at West Virginia. That game's at seven o'clock. Number eight, Xavier at eight and 10, DePaul. DePaul, eight and a half point underdog at home. Number 22, Providence at number 20, Marquette. Marquette giving up seven and a half, the over under 150. And the jockey pick of the day is North Alabama plus one and a half on the road at Central Arkansas. And that's your armchair quarterback sports flash. Stay tuned for Braves Country right here on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key in Noonan, Georgia, simulcasting on youtube.com at Braves Country. Shen Young, a performance that truly matters to every one of us, is coming to the Columbus River Center for the Performing Arts, January 17th, one night only. Shen Young brings 5,000 years of civilization live on stage through choreographed dance, music combining Western and Chinese instruments in an animated backdrop. Come and see it at least once in your lifetime. Tickets at shenyoung.com slash GA. Hey, Braves fans. Thank you for listening to Braves Country Baseball. Hi, I'm Mac McGee, and we are here to bring you play-by-play, pitch-by-pitch of your Atlanta Braves, bringing you spring training in two to three games a week all season long. Please like and subscribe today. Braves Country Baseball. It's the best in sports and entertainment. And get locked in and locked down with Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with your host, me, Ryan O'Neill. Each and every morning, right here with the best in sports and entertainment, all the way from professional sports to college sports to River Dragons hockey and everything in between, including some of the very best local and national guests. It's the Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on 99.1 FM WQEE. Are you looking for a reliable dental practice that not only cares about your teeth but is friendly to work with how about one that offers great deals and new patient promotions well your search is over most valuable smiles in downtown eatonton georgia is committed to giving you the biggest and brightest smile right now get a 99 dollars new patient special including x-rays and exam maybe you're looking for veneers most valuable smiles veneer special includes one free veneer with every five purchased or get that bright white smile you've always wanted by taking advantage of an exclusive $100 off Zoom whitening treatment when you book today. And don't forget that 2022 is almost over. That means most insurance policies will reset by the new year, and to avoid losing that extra money, you need to use it or lose it. Book an appointment today with Most Valuable Smiles in downtown Eatonton to lock in these exclusive deals. Call 706-623-0318 or visit mostvaluablesmiles.com. Welcome back to Braves Country. Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks, weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Drive time on WQEE. Oh, 
welcome back. Doug is on the way. Red Raider Doug will be talking some Raiders, get some insight on where he thinks they're going with the quarterback situation. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing what, what he thinks. On that. I got my thoughts on that, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we do that, let's go ahead and hit up some of the some of the big news of today. Where he talked about Adam Duvall heading to the Red Sox on a one year deal. You can go ahead and try. You can start it now. Start the drum. From opening day until the end of the season, Braves fans are going to be trying to get Anthopolis to make a trade to get him back in a Braves uniform. He's a fan favorite, and I get it. But you have to understand where they are financially. And you have to understand that when they start locking down players long-term, for the good of the franchise long-term, you're not going to have the role players that you had. Now, that's not saying that they can't make a move later on. And they probably will try to make a move at the deadline to bring if look, if Ozuna has a season like he did last year and Rosario can't get it back together and they're struggling offensively in left field and shortstop's not producing and they're in the thick of the race. Anthopolis is not scared to make a move. But there's a big difference financially because he's not just trying to win. He's also having to deal with all the pressure of the finances. And remember, the Braves, unlike other teams who essentially just have an owner, the Braves have to deal with with the a board of directors. So you got to so, so you listen to all that junk all year. They the Braves listen to a quarterly report. You don't get that. If you're Buck Showalter of the New York Mets, you don't get that. If you're Dave Roberts of the Dodgers, but if you're Brian Snicker, you know the deal and you just kind of turn it over to Anthopolis and let him deal with the headaches. They, they, they are ran like an actual company trying to make money. And right now they're in a terrible media deal that expires soon, but not soon enough. Not, not, you know, it doesn't expire quick enough to get us out of the mess this year. And I would say that probably by the end of this decade, the Braves will have one of the highest payrolls, but right now they're trying to make it work with the younger guys, locking them in long-term and trying to bring in others. I saw some comments in the offseason where they talked about, well, why would they pay Charlie Morton this much, et cetera, et cetera. If you saw what Charlie Morton, so, he's, so, so he, he signs a one-year 20 deal. You see what Charlie Morton did last year. He actually had a pretty darn good year. I think Charlie Morton's going to be one of those pitches that's definitely going to benefit f- from, from the outlaw of the shift. I do because he's going to get more run support and he's a strikeout guy and he's a ground out and he's a ground ball pitcher guy. He's going to, I expect Charlie Morton to have a really good year this year. 
but they they paid one year twenty. When you compare that to what the elite pitchers are getting now, the elites are getting almost twice that much, and the guys that you would say are the next ring above, they're they're getting anywhere between ten to twelve, some even thirteen a year more than what Morton got. So it's it shouldn't come to people as a big surprise that this is going on. Remember, they just locked up another player in the offseason. They just added more payroll than they realistically had to because they're looking at the long term of this franchise. And I'm here for that. I'm there. I think it's awesome. What what about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going and firing Byron Leftwich? And isn't that ironic? Because if you remember, just a year ago, he was a favorite. He was a favorite to take a head coaching job. Remember when the Jags job came open? That was one of the first things we heard. Byron Leftwich, Byron Leftwich. I always wondered about it. How good is he really, or is is he benefiting with having Tom Brady? Well, we, we kind of found out what he was benefiting was is he was benefiting with Bruce Arians kind of running the ship. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little surprised that Todd Bowles isn't getting fired as well, but I think that more has to do with the fact that the, that the Buccaneers at this point, they know Brady's not coming back. And this is a rebuild situation. And the most solid foundation you can do is when, it, when it comes to rebuilding and cheapest is to build through your defense and then see what you can do. I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of these offensive pieces get traded in the offseason or just flat out released. You know, there's been rumors about the Buccaneers possibly going after a quarterback and making a trade for a quarterback to come down. And I, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I don't see that easy fix like Tom Brady was back in 2020. I think what's more likely to happen is Tampa Bay is going to take a step back this year. They may even give Kyle Trask a chance to go ahead and, and win. But looking at it from a long-term perspective from the bucks it's it's rebuild mode you're in the same position that essentially they're not quite where like jacksonville was a few years ago where like everything was on fire and you didn't know what to do and they finally find find the right fit but they're more in a situation i see of like like a Carolina, yeah, maybe you can add a Lamar Jackson. But if you do that, you have to change your entire philosophy. Tampa Bay, they have to change their their entire philosophy on who is going to be on that team. That team is not going to be very good with a Lamar Jackson addition with, with the current players that they have on the team. And I don't think a guy like Mike Evans would be happy on, on, 
on a Tampa or Chris Godwin would be happy on Tampa. If they can't play for a quarterback that throws, you ask any Baltimore. It's the reason why Hollywood Brown wanted out. Now it's ironic that he ended up in Arizona, which was probably a, a worse situation, but it's reason why he wanted out of Arizona. I mean, excuse me, out of Baltimore to head to Arizona. You cannot keep your average receiver happy in a Lamar Jackson offense because it's predicated on run the ball, run the ball, find the tight end, and they do like to hit the big play on the pass, but it's not enough. And that's why when, you know when, when they talk about Lamar Jackson, where he could be traded and where he could fit and where he's going to fit under the cap, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the names that that has come up several for several weeks has been the Jets. I don't see the Jets doing it because of the same situation. Garrett Wilson's not getting out there and blocking for Lamar Jackson. So it's, it's, you know, it's a problem. If you're the Buccaneers, I think you're really looking at. I don't believe. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would go follow in the footsteps of Tom Brady. I just don't think that's his mo. So I don't believe that he would go there. I think if if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay at all, it would be to go to Vegas. I think Vegas and McDaniels want Brady, but if Brady decides to do something else, then I could possibly see that. But they just made a big trade last year to to get his best target. If the Raiders did that, they would have to once again empty their draft capital. And they in the and considering what they gave up last year, their their draft capital is. I'm not gonna say it's dry, but it's it's very very shallow at this point. How far down the line are you going to make trades for an aging quarterback? Who one of the one of the things that made Aaron Rodgers so darn good for so long was because he had the ability to scramble and then hit the receiver with perfection on the run. Well, that's, that's obviously starting to, but it's going to continue to deteriorate as he gets older. And he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to play or even has a desire to play as long as Tom Brady. So how much would you really invest to get Aaron Rodgers over there? If you are the Raiders. Or if you could talk him into it, if you are the Buccaneers, I, I honestly think that Aaron Rodgers is staying where he's at. Because if you look at that team, and you look at what they did this year in the second half of that season, and the and the, look, those receivers, the maturation is only going to continue. It's only going to continue. Christian Watson really came on down the stretch. And you're starting to see Romeo Dubs develop a little bit. You you still got the two-headed monster at running back. And LaFleur's a heck of a coach. 
and he's like, and you look, he loves being loved. He's a God in green Bay. If he goes somewhere else, Aaron Rodgers in New York, I don't think mixes because you get off to an 0 three start in New York and the press is on you. He's going to give them some snide, smart, you know, snarky remark. You could easily see where, where, where he's going to get off. Look at the last quarterback that left Green Bay to go to the Jets. Brett Favre. It lasted a year. It started off great. It ended terribly. He said, get me out of here. I'm going to Minnesota. It was so bad that Brett Favre left New York City to go move to Minnesota. And he still had a lot left in the tank. I mean, obviously, he took him all the way to the NFC Championship game that year. And there were some bad calls in that second half. You could argue that he probably should have won a second Super Bowl that year. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, Doug's going to jump in here. We're going to talk about those Raider, his Raiders, and where he thinks the the Raiders are going in this offseason because it sure ain't Derek Carr. We'll be back in a flash here on Braves Country HD, wherever you stream, and on 99.1 FM, the key. If you're arrested for bribery, can't you just bribe your way out? I mean, you're a briber. That's what you do. Armchair Quarterbacks Radio, living in an era of baseball where the impossible is unfolding right before our eyes. Salvador Perez, the 2-2. Popped up, Sandoval, in foul territory. Giants win! A World Series win for the San Francisco Giants for the third time in the last five years. And their hero, Madison Bumgarner. The one-two again. Inside corner, the Royals. 2015 World Champion. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs, win the World Series. Bryant makes the play. It's over. And the Cubs have finally won it all. The game right now is at the plate. Armchair. Dixie Handle Company, five generations of the Strickland family have produced quality hardwood farming garden tools, wooden shutters, and custom furniture. This small business has been owned and operated since 1992 and ships to customers across the world. If you're looking for the highest quality tool handles, Dixie Handle Company is your place. Every item is handpicked to your specifications. If it's made of wood, they do it. Call now, 931-722-3395. That's 931-722-3395. Or go online to DixieHandle.com. The Dixie Handle Company. Welcome to Craftsmanship, a proud sponsor of Braves Country Baseball. Are you looking for a reliable dental practice that not only cares about your teeth, but is friendly to work with? How about one that offers great deals and new patient promotions? Well, your search is over. Most Valuable Smiles in downtown Eatonton, Georgia is committed to giving you the biggest and brightest smile. Right now, get a $99 new patient special, including x-rays and exam. 
Maybe you're looking for veneers. Most Valuable Smiles Veneer Special includes one free veneer with every five purchased. Or get that bright white smile you've always wanted by taking advantage of an exclusive $100 off Zoom whitening treatment when you book today. And don't forget that 2022 is almost over. That means most insurance policies will reset by the new year, and to avoid losing that extra money, you need to use it or lose it. Book an appointment today with Most Valuable Smiles in downtown Eatonton to lock in these exclusive deals. Call 706-623-0318 or visit mostvaluablesmiles.com. So anyway, Harkin sat me down. He said, champ, you're a dangerous alcoholic, a racist, and I don't think you know a lick about sports. Mm. And I said, Ed, you dirty Polak, it's 10 in the morning. Let's go have some drinks. Then he fires me. Welcome back. Red Raider Doug with us today. Ready to talk some NFL playoffs. Teams in the NFL playoffs, and we'll also talk about the Raiders. How are you today, Doug? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I'm pretty good, man. Uh, Having a pretty good week in the on uh, the bets and uh, getting ready for the NFL playoffs and of, of the four games are going that are going to go down this weekend. If you if you, if you could only wa- play watch one, there's only one they're going to let you watch. Which one is it? Hmm. I have to say, I want to watch the Bengals and Bills. I think mine's Cowboys Niners, but Bengals and Bills is real close. If there's one you're going to throw away, like I've got no desire to watch that. That's going to that's going to suck. Which one is it? Oh, that's going to be Kansas City and Jacksonville. I have no desire for that one. So you think Kansas City is going to boat race them? I yeah, unless they unless they they like San Diego blow a twenty eight point lead at some point, and I don't think Kansas City's going to do that. So, I you know that's what I should be saying, but because of the excitement down here, it's hard for me to say that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, I mean, I would say Giants Eagles, but. I've always kind of pulled for the Giants, so it's it's hard for me to just. I don't think there's a game. I mean, honestly, the one that could get away, the one that I could see getting away, other than the Jacksonville game, I get it. The offensive line of Cincinnati concerns me. Yeah, and if things go wrong, right? If if they don't get off to a good start, and Buffalo hits a couple of quick touchdowns, and, they, and then. Cincinnati's got some three and outs or or turnover, et cetera. They could get themselves down into a buried hole pretty quickly. And I well, think the reason Buffalo's- I found it more. Oh. What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was just, just going to chime in on the fact that reason I think it's going to be a lot closer. When I was watching the Bills last week, they looked sloppy on offense. Josh Allen looked like he was somewhere else. And he played, I thought he played awful. I know they won the game, but I thought Buffalo played a terrible game, especially offensively. 
And if they come into this week and they've got the same mentality, I think that game could stay very close. And that's, that's why I was looking forward to watching it. Conversely, though, if you look at what Cincinnati did against Baltimore, they were terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's not for a fumble return of 98 yards when they were about to lose the lose the uh, uh, at the time it was a tie. So they were about to go down a touchdown. And then for whatever reason, they give Huntley that godforsaken call at the goal line to try to jump when he is seven or eight feet away to have to go through the sea of defenders. Just an absolutely boneheaded call. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't happen and they do a normal football play, they probably score a touchdown, bare minimum score a field, uh, kick a field goal. And I'll tell you what, Cincinnati's offense was terrible. And they lost their the left yeah. tackle. I know since they look, got Cincinnati, Cincinnati was my pick. They're interior linemen too. Sorry. No, yeah, the, the, they lost it. But Cincinnati was my pre-playoff pick to get to the uh, Super Bowl from the AFC. I just mine I too. Feel, mine as well. I don't feel good about it anymore. I've got a feeling. No, I, I, I don't as well. I've got a feeling that we're going to end up with a pretty good chance of the AFC championship being played in Atlanta, which is great for the city of Atlanta. Oh yeah. It's fantastic for Atlanta. What's that? Oh, I said it's fantastic for Atlanta. Atlanta's got the. I love Atlanta as far as hosting things and sporting events. It's one of the best cities in the world for that kind of thing. Yeah, and I also feel like that they're going to. Uh, it's not just that; it's the fact that the two teams that are most likely going to play, mm-hmm. or that would play, because the only it's the only scenario it would be Kansas City and Buffalo. Any other scenario, it will not be in Atlanta. But what's what to me is uh, interesting about it is you would get, assuming everybody's healthy, two absolute juggernaut offenses in a dome. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have to worry about Buffalo and their ridiculous weather situation. And you're not going to have to worry about Kansas City, and they can have some pretty rough weather too in late January. We're talking about a dome. Yeah. That to me would be fun. I agree. I agree. So now I've gone from picking Cincinnati to kind of pulling for it. Look, a lot of it's going to have to do with does Jacksonville pull off the upset on Saturday? And if they don't, then if, if Jacksonville pulls off the upset, I definitely want Cincinnati to win. Jacksonville has a much better chance of upsetting Cincinnati than they do going to Buffalo. But if Kansas City wins like most of us think they will, I kind of want to see a Kansas City-Buffalo rematch, this time in the Dome. 
You know, the only dangerous thing about this is that if it it goes as well as I think it will, the NFL will start thinking about putting the conference championship games in uh, uh, in Atlanta every year. No, 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 no. Just in neutral sites. Oh, neutral sites. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I hate that that idea. I just hate that idea. That's just so counter to the sport. I hate it. I hate even thinking about I, it. I agree, and I and I hope I'm wrong, but I could definitely see it happening. I can see them opening up, going, man, we, you know, all the money that they can charge, the hotels, because at that mm-hmm. point you don't have one fan base traveling; you've got two. Right. So it's, yep. There would definitely be a monetary reason to do it, but I'm with you. I wouldn't like it at all. All right. Las Vegas Raiders are looking for a quarterback. Derek Carr is gone. Yes. Right now, like all the rumors are saying, and I think that, I think that's why all this was done is I would be shocked at this point. If Brady doesn't sign with them, I think everything getting rid of Carr like they did. It's all Brady, Brady, Brady. He has so many connections in Vegas between uh, friendships with Dana White. He owns property in Vegas. Always remember, I've said this before, but he was supposed to be a Raider two years ago. If it wasn't for John Gruden, he would have never gone to Tampa. He'd still be the quarterback here in Vegas. So if they don't say, if they don't sign Brady, that would be, I would be shocked. Yet, to me right now, the only way Brady doesn't end up in Vegas is if Brady decides he wants to go to Miami because his ex-wife currently lives there with his kids. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not willing to move to the Las Vegas area or closer to. Mm-hmm. Or Miami says, we're, we're going to roll with Tua if it doesn't work. We've got Skylar Thompson. That's why Miami fans were all, because a couple weeks ago, they were talking about Derek, would Miami be a good spot for Derek Carr? And Miami fans, Miami organizers, like, we've got two. Why would we need with Derek Carr? So it seems to me at this point, they're doubling down on Tua for now, unless Tua decides to retire after his 15 uh, uh, head injuries he's had in the last, six months well well i'll tell you that's i mean that's the concern yeah he's been cleared by the medical staff and they're saying that there's he he was cleared by a doctor said there's no reason why why he can't play football okay maybe we're overreacting but three concussions in one year is a scary scary thing when we see all the data nowadays right and then if you're if you're the Miami Dolphins going forward, because he's eventually going to want that big payday, are you going to give him that big payday considering that, you know, he's basically, he's, you're basically going to give a lot of unrefundable money to a quarterback who has scrambled eggs upstairs. Yep. So that, that would be my concern. But let's be mine as well. Let's put all that aside and say Tua is staying. So now Brady, 
The only other thing that I think would stop Brady from going to the to the Raiders is that maybe he is actually done. Maybe this was too much. Maybe he's just I don't believe that's true. I believe that if he was done, he's probably still married. Mm-hmm. I believe that that's probably what drove the wedge. Is yes. That, is it the wife? He didn't just, first of all, because he comes out and says he's, he, he, he's retired. Everybody remembers that. Then he comes back a few weeks later and says he's not retired. Everybody remembers that. So that's enough yo-yo drama for a supermodel who, who put her life on hold, right? Mm-hmm. To raise the kids. Then he goes, I'm going to go for it one more time. But the conversation may have been behind closed doors. I just don't think I want to retire anytime soon. And, and, and she, she said, goes, you promised. And she goes, I can't do this anymore. Right. Yeah. So I really think that that's where that was. Mm-hmm. I agree. So. But with I, that can't said, imagine, I, mean- I can't imagine that he broke everything up to just play one more season on a really downhill football team, right? Mm-hmm. So it, if he's not Raiders and the, and the Dolphins are fine with where they're at, the only other place I could see Tom Brady that would make sense, and they've got, the, they got talent, you talk about a guy who loves the limelight, the New York football jets. Yes. Because they've got receivers there. They've got, they've got a pretty good running back core. Brees Hall will be healthy again. Now we all know he'll probably, they'll probably take his time bringing him back, especially how long it took for Cam Akers to, come back off his injury. I think that's a cautionary tale now not to rush these running backs back. Right. Right. But, uh, man, Tom Brady with the jets going up against Belichick and the Patriots twice a year, twice a year, not to mention for you young kids that don't remember this Belichick spurned the jets years ago took the job and then turned around and quit and then long story short they had to make a trade to get belichick to do the patriots this all happened within a matter of weeks yes but i had a question didn't brent Favre end up on the jets at some time or another yes at some point in his career yeah I was actually just talking about that in, in the last segment that uh, he, oh. he left Green Bay to go to the Jets, and then he was there one year, and then he went to the Vikings for his last year. Yeah. Are the Jets a, a city where quarterbacks go to die? Or the Minnesota, for that matter, too? Because um, that's why I asked that, because I, I think that'd be kind of ironic if he ended up with the Jets. Little like you just saying a little bit of history there, but my well, other question is: Do the do the Jets have the money to pay him? Yes, they've got. So the Jets have been rumored to bring in uh, 
Lamar Jackson, I just I, I just don't think he's a fit. I really don't think he's a fit. No, he's no, not not in New York. No. No, I, I, I would put him in Houston or somewhere else, depending on who their new head coach is gonna be. Well, if you're Houston, that could be a possibility because you could absolutely transform your entire roster. But the reason why I say mm-hmm. the Jets is an impossibility is because you've already got a nucleus of pass catching receivers and you would have to trade them all away just to bring in one guy. Yeah. And then what do you do if he gets hurt again, decides he doesn't want to play. So that's uh, and he's a running quarterback. Who's only getting older. Yeah. So you make this trade. It better, whoever makes a trade for Lamar Jackson, if it were to happen, it better be for a team that is ready to pounce on a very, very short window. Cause you get Lamar Jackson. I think he's probably got three very good years left. Mm-hmm. And then he probably has three years where he's going to kind of mull muck it around. And then he's, mm-hmm. and then if he hangs out for another couple of years, it'll be something looking like the way remember how poorly Cam Newton aged because of all the hits yes. that he took. He took, There's a reason yep. running backs don't age very well. Well, that's essentially what Lamar Jackson has been. He's been a he's been a running back with a very strong and not accurate arm. I think Carolina would be a, actually a really good fit for Lamar, but I don't. And that's know also going to depend on who. I was going to say that also. It all depends with Carolina and Houston too. With uh, Lamar Jackson, who the next coach is going to be. And what philosophy they're going to follow? Because both those teams are only going to be what they're going to be with whoever the new head coaches are going to be. If you're Carolina, I know you won't wait this long, but if you're Carolina, you almost want to wait to see if you can make that trade before you hire your new head coach. Interesting, yeah. Because if I hired, or if I made a trade for Lamar Jackson tomorrow, the first person I'm hiring is or interviewing is the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. That's the first thing that I'm doing. And then outside of that, I'm looking for, you know, someone off the, I mean, honestly, probably someone off the Shanahan tree because all of his coordinators that come out are, are very skilled at getting the ball in running backs hands and receivers hands from very short distances. They, they run the jet sweeps. They do everything right. Yep. So I would be picking at that tree, but Lamar Jackson, man, I just, I know he probably doesn't want to be in Baltimore anymore, but I don't know if there's a lot of choices out there because of the way he finished the season. If he wanted to impress a new employer, you gut it out and you go out there and you play. And honestly, the way they played with Tyler Huntley, they probably beat Cincinnati. I know Bengals fans don't want to hear that, but Tyler Huntley lost by, by a couple of inches. Cause that, cause that ball fades off to the left. You got problems. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to 
wrap up here on Braves country. Going to get Doug's locks and we're going to get into some NFL playoff lines. Be back in a flash here on Braves country. Keep it locked in here on 99.1 FM. If you're arrested for bribery, can't you just... Hey, sports fans. The Key has a brand new show. Braves Country is coming your way weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time on WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. We'll be talking the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball along with everything important to sports fans in Braves Country. The SEC, ACC, Big Ten, and the National Football League, and the big sports news of the day. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE, The Key, 99.1 FM, and simulcasting on YouTube.com forward slash at Braves Country. Enjoy sun-drenched days, epic stays, and plenty of room to roam in Greater Fort Lauderdale. Our hotels, attractions, and restaurants have taken the Visit Lauderdale's Safe and Clean Pledge so you can relax and explore with confidence. When you're ready for that well-deserved staycation, our 23 miles of golden beaches await. Find wide-open spaces to hike, bike, kayak, and paddleboard. Visit your favorite attractions, then dine out in style in dining rooms or al fresco on waterfront patios. Learn more at sunny.org. It's time to live, laugh, and create memories again with MSC Cruises. Join us on some of the world's most modern and innovative ships. Discover again at our new private island, Ocean Key MSC Marine Reserve, named Best New Cruise Destination. Cruise the Caribbean and Bahamas from Miami or Port Canaveral. Book now with free balcony upgrades and flexible booking changes. Call your travel advisor or visit MSCCruises.com. Restrictions apply. MSC Cruises, a world of discovery. Hockey season, and that means new merch over at ourdragonsmerch.com. Get the latest designs and some of our fun new souvenirs ahead of what's sure to be a great hockey season. Celebrate another season of River Dragons hockey by getting a new look to wear on game days or surprise the big-time sports fan in your life with a new keepsake that will make them a River Dragons fan for life. Order online right now at ourdragonsmerch.com. That's the letter R, dragonsmerch.com. We'll see you at the rink. Hey, Yankees! You can take your apology out of your trophy and shove it straight up. Armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of smacks. He's the All-American man. Welcome back. See a couple of the comments, get into it. I won't go into the whole thing about the Adam Duvall thing because we did it earlier in the show. You, know, you can always rewind it on our uh, Braves Country YouTube. But uh, basically, look, he wasn't coming back to Atlanta. I mean, and the Atlanta fans that thought he was, I don't know what to tell you other than uh, that just simply was never the case. They've, they, they've got a log jam in the outfield now that you've got Harrison Center, you've got Acuna and Wright. And you've got three to four guys that you're going to try to make work in left field. I just wish him the best. At this point, I just absolutely yeah. wish him the best. He's a great player. Uh, great. He was a great teammate. It's a shame that he got hurt. But let's be honest, he wasn't having a great year to begin with. And you can't go out and spend what could be up to $10 million. It's $7 million with, with, with a $3 million bonus with the Braves salary structure you can't you can't spend that on a guy 
that is going to be a part-timer and that's what he would have been because you're not going to give up on Eddie Rosario at this point. He had one bad year. He had the eye injury. There's no telling what that did to him. I'm looking at last year as a wash for him. As far as Azuna goes, he's a guy that's going to play very sparingly. We're stuck with his contract. If he screws up again, he probably gets kicked off the team. But I, unless he comes out on fire in the spring Marcelo Zuna is done being an everyday starter in Major League Baseball. So no one wants to make a trade for him. And then what was the other question uh, with the quarterbacks coming out of the draft? What do you think Bryce Young, Levis, and Stroud end up? And we just talked about Lamar Jackson. Um, to me, Bryce Young is the quarterback I draft number one overall. So if that is the case, then and there's not a trade, I do believe that he ends up in Houston. And I think it's a perfect mm-hmm. match for Houston. I would be a I little agree. I'd be a little shocked. And I know Sean has been on here beating the drum for CJ Stroud, and he thinks that he's the best. But I'm I get it that. Young might have a little bit of the advantage because Alabama is always so talented, right? But it's not like CJ Stroud is coming from Texas Tech. I mean, he's loaded. The wide receivers at Ohio State are absolutely loaded every year. So at this point, I I think it's got to be Young. I would agree. And then when you now look he at... Was asking, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I, I was just going to say, if, if you look at the rest of the draft order... Right. What would make sense would be C.J. Stroud going to Indianapolis at number four. Well, that's what I was... I was going to throw in there. Um, there's always a thought with the Raiders that if Tom Brady doesn't come, or maybe even if Tom Brady does come, that the Raiders would make a a, a draft day trade to trade up a, ahead of um, the Colts, or 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 if the Colts weren't inclined to take him, or if they because they were always saying Will Levis was a the guy they were going to pick, that the Raiders would take a stab at trying to get him at number five or number four. But you're not doing that if Tom Brady's coming. There's no, no, if Tom Brady's coming, if it's a guarantee. No, I don't think so. Then you go down and no, you maybe no by then because NFL free agency happens in the second week of March and the draft is in late April. In, in April, so right? I'm just saying if the, if they did it that way, right? You know, there, there's a reason right. why they do it that way. So if they don't get Brady, if he retires or he goes elsewhere, I seriously doubt he stays where he's at. Then I think it would be a great move for Vegas to trade up with. The uh, the Bears who don't need a quarterback, mm-hmm. and depending on their draft capital that they're that they're willing to part with, I think it's a great move for the Bears because the Bears don't need the number one pick. No. Now, what we've seen in years past is that there are very few teams that are now loading up to move up because they look at the at, at the draft picks so darn important financially that they don't want to give up their picks. 
But man, if, if I'm Vegas and I don't get Brady and I've still got Devonte Adams and I'm assuming that I'm going to resign Jacobs and I've got Waller and a CJ Stroud or whoever were to fall to him. Maybe you make a trade with Arizona who, 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 who doesn't need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's what but I'm saying. Are, I thought about that too. If you are look, the way you have to look at it right now, the, the, the way the draft order sets, it's bears, Houston, Arizona, Indy, and Seattle in the top five, right? If you want one of those top two quarterbacks between Stroud and Young, and I think after that there is a drop-off. may not be a huge drop-off, but there is a drop-off. you got to make sure that you leapfrog the Colts somehow because the Colts absolutely will draft a quarterback. And and if the Colts are at number four and they refuse to trade – and the Raiders or whoever jumps up at number one and Houston's at two, there is a very good possibility you get one, two, and four all quarterbacks. Maybe the Colts take Levis. They could. Be you okay? could. I, don't, I don't think Levis is, like, is worth that high a pick. But I don't it's think he is either. But a lot of people are, are on him and have him ranked way too high. I but, think he could be a good quarterback. He's a project. You put him on your team and you let him sit behind somebody for two, three years and train him up. But I don't think he's NFL ready right now at all. No, I, I don't. No, I, I think he's far from it. Yeah, I think he's a guy that. Well. He's probably expecting to start in his first year, but not at the beginning. And if he were to fall and you you look at some of the teams that need a quarterback, I mean, there are a plethora of teams past Vegas that need quarterbacks. Because the thing is, at number six, it's the Lions. I don't think the Lions need a quarterback. I, I, I disagree with any Lion fan that says they need a quarterback right now. No, you need defense. They need to keep building that defense. You've got an offense. You need you need uh, pieces on that defense. Exactly. And Jared Goff, to me, is a very good quarterback. Yeah, he's coming to his own there in Detroit. So, yeah, you get I, – I should I, – Detroit, I should see nothing but defensive picks throughout their draft. With all the draft capital they have this year, they should be taking the cream of the crop of what they can get on defense. They need a defensive tackle. They need a corner. Especially in that division. Because mm-hmm. if Aaron Rodgers does stay and Kirk Cousins and you know Justin Jefferson, you've you've got to get someone to create their own island, as I always like to say. Um they've got two picks in the top eighteen. Yeah. Detroit does. And knowing yeah, Dan, I, I would think that he wants a, I, you know, he wants a defense. Now yeah. they did. I mean, he's, spend, got the, he's got the two rookies that played well. He just got to build on that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with T.J. Hawkinson. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I know who you meant. 
I said TJ Hawkinson. I'm thinking of uh, Hutchinson. Sorry, Hutchinson. Hutchinson, Hutchinson, yep. Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I, you know, Levis, you could see. It really depends on how far, far he falls. But here's, here's five teams that need quarterbacks that draft fairly high, right? Denver? Mm-hmm. Could Denver, or are they going to lock up Geno long-term? Um, you, you go past Denver. Is Atlanta happy with what they've gotten so far out of Ritter, or are they going to look? That's a big question right there. Because they didn't get to watch him much. Because they held on and let freaking Mariota go out there and play all year long, which I kept beating the desk on. Would you put him in the game? Yep. This team is, this offense is going nowhere. It's scoring like 16 points a game. Put Ritter in and find out what you have. And then if you don't have anything, then go get a quarterback this draft. But if Smith is, if, if Smith likes Ritter, then okay. So you move past that. Carolina needs a quarterback. New Orleans needs a quarterback. Tennessee needs a quarterback. And these are all interesting spots before the draft. Does Derek Carr end up in any of those spots, like New Orleans or Carolina? And remember, Houston has two picks in the top 12 because they they have the Deshaun Watson first-rounder. Then down at number 13, the Jets need a quarterback. Is New England okay with Mac Jones? After that, Green Bay. Does Aaron Rodgers retire? Yep. Washington has needed a quarterback for about three decades. And they're still doubling down on somebody. I can't even remember their name right now. Remember his name? They're Tannen or somebody. They're already doubling down on somebody I've never even heard of. So they say. Tampa Bay sitting there at 19. They need a quarterback. So Levis isn't going to fall very far. No. Looking at this, this quarterback draft class, you could get four or five guys, four or five guys drafted in the first round at quarterback. This could be a, what was it? 1983. I think was the draft. Yes, it was. (laughs) Dan Marino went 27th overall. He's the last quarterback taken in the first round. Uh What a bunch of morons. They didn't like him. They didn't like him coming out of college from Pitt there. Or, I'm sorry, the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pitt. Yeah. Yeah, he was... uh, He was considered too slow. Yeah, the Steelers passed yeah, Steelers passed on him. The Jets took what Ken O'Brien over him in the first round. The mm-hmm. Patriots took Tony Eason. Yep. Now Elway was legitimate. Yep. Well, he he just wanted to make sure he didn't play on the Colts, but right, which he didn't. Which he didn't. Uh, let me see. Isn't that the same draft with Jim Kelly? Jim Kelly. Went yeah. From, yeah. Went from Miami to Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with that pick. 
No, that was a perfect pick, the perfect spot. And honestly, yeah. Ken O'Brien was not a bad quarterback. He really wasn't. He no, was he just got he got beat up. It's, yeah, but he, 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 he didn't have a very good career. He was solid. The one that was the stinker of the whole first round that is is the Tony Eason one. Yep, he did make it to a Super Bowl. But they got pounded by the Bears. Yeah. What is your lock of the day? Oh, my lock of the day will also go with um, my prop. My lock of the day is going to be, I hate to be a broken record, but McCaffrey this weekend will will have 150-plus uh, yards rushing and receiving. What is the uh, odds on that? I think it's a minus, uh, that's a minus 650 on that prop. That can't be right. Um, right. See, I always mess that up. Sorry. So we'll scratch that. Okay. Uh, any last thoughts? Any last thoughts is um, rule changes in baseball. For your fantasy, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, left-handed power hitters, higher up in uh, your ADP this year. I can put Kyle, Kyle Tucker in the top five. Just because of that, just because of the ship change. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk more of that next week. Um, it was just we got sidetracked with the whole uh, draft thing, but uh, I do think that Jordan Alvarez is way too low on that list. Yep. And Kyle, you know, I, I agree. Kyle Tucker's high, but I I almost think he might be too high considering. But we got to go. We're taking off here uh, into the top of the hour sports map radio. And uh, tomorrow, make sure 7 to 10 a.m., Ryan O Radio Penitentiary, 7 to 10, and Rod Peterson Show, noon to 2. We'll be back here 3 to 5 here on Braves Country HD. Have a great day, y'all. See you manana. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same back time, same back channel. Thanks for listening to Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks on 99.1 FM WQEE, The Key in Noonan, Georgia, and simulcasting on youtube.com forward slash at Braves Country. Braves Country comes your way weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Please follow, like, and subscribe today. Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for Southern sports. Something up fifth of September. Something up fifth of September. She said a lot that I can't remember. Something up fifth. Can I get another cigarette, please? Can I get another cigarette, please? Yeah, I know I live to regret it. Just give me another You're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key in Noonan, Georgia.